The Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine, on your own terms. Today, we are on the path of relationships. Today, we're talking with Dr. Michael F. Myers, the preeminent researcher and clinician on physician marriages and relationship, as well as physician suicides. In part two of this discussion, we're discussing the tragedy that is physician suicide, behavioral problems in our children, and the emotional pain that comes with the loss of a child and how we can cope as parents and siblings. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Okay, and so let's move kind of the special situations um, because um, this is it doesn't necessarily fit into the realm of interpersonal relationship, but are things that are, can affect interpersonal relationships. And so let's talk about kind of because you have an expertise in physician suicide, and that's it's big in the news right now. It's 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 there's a lot of um, attention around it, and so just I'm going to kind of open the floor for you as it relates to physician suicide. What do you want other physicians who either are touched by this vicariously because it's someone in our profession, or people who know those individuals who have committed suicide? Yes. In some ways, in to me, it feels like there's somewhat of an assault on the profession having so many colleagues. Um, who are dying in that way. Um, what would you like us to say to physicians out there about this particular phenomena? Thank you, Eric. Yeah, in the introduction, you mentioned that that was, that's the title of my latest book, Why Physicians Die by Suicide. I wrote this book because I was feeling exactly what you just said. I've been working in this field for decades. I made a videotape on physician suicide back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I've published so much. I've done so much work on this. and yet. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. Doctors are continuing to die by suicide. We know a lot of the precursors, the burnout, the untreated illness, those sorts of things, the stigma associated with getting help, um, fears when say, about... When you say untreated illness, what, do you, which, what yeah. type of untreated illness are we talking about? Okay, what I learned, in, what this book is about is that I interviewed approximately 100 families okay. and friends and colleagues of doctors who had taken their lives. And I was struck by the number of people I interviewed who said that their loved one didn't get any help at all, refused, was terrified to get help, didn't even go to a primary care physician, nothing. They went from wellness to illness to death. Okay. I was shocked and saddened by that. There's that. Then I also know the ones who fall through the cracks, that they maybe go for a little bit of help, but maybe don't stick with it or whatever, they relapse, that, that kind of stuff, end up dying by suicide. So that's kind of what I mean by untreated illness. Okay. That, because in the world of suicide, we believe that roughly 85 to 90% of people who die by suicide have had some type of illness that's driving it. Like, wow. uh, like, yeah, like a psychiatric illness. Um, so that could be, you know, depression is the most common one. It could be bipolar illness. Substance use is a problem. Okay. Personality problems, things like that. So one of the appeals I make in this book is that we're all in this together. We all have to fight this together. We have to watch out for each other. 
I've been preaching for decades that we must be our brothers and sisters keepers in medicine. Not only do I just sort of know that, but I've learned it also from my physician patients, especially doctors who are in recovery. Okay. From alcohol, cocaine, opiate, something like that. Down the road, when they're clean and sober, say up to a year, they will say, I would not be alive today if it weren't for my colleagues at the medical center, like reaching out to me or lining up that intervention. I was furious. I felt I didn't have a problem, but I realized now I was a train wreck and that if they hadn't have done that, I would have died. So we do need to watch out for each other. There's treatment available um, and we need to keep looking at the institutional factors. Like doctors shouldn't have to feel so burned out in the workplace. You know, we read so much about electronic health records, the EMRs, the EHRs, all of that, how stressful that is. Yep. Having to fight with insurance carriers to get, to get um, you know, coverage, insurance for your patients. Um, continuing education, some of those, those standards or whatever, to some, feel that they're overdone. Okay. Sort of the loss of autonomy. The physicians feel like, you know, I'm a spoken, I don't have a voice anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on a treadmill. Yes. And that, that it's called loss of agency. Yes. That drives burnout. When doctors don't have that, that, that demoralizes them as well. Mm -hmm. And I always say, pay attention to your history. If you've had depression in the past, or if it's in your family, or if there's any suicide in the family, make sure you get help ASAP. Because we just know that those are risk factors, possibly for another suicide attempt down the road. Uh, I talked talk to my colleagues in the mental health field. You mentioned, I write that blog for the, um, psych the F Physician Health Congress. I do that because they've asked me to just focus on physician health. So I do that every month so to get those things out there. And to my own colleagues in the mental health field, I said, look, at when a physician comes to you and knocks on your door or whatever, do your best to make that visit comfortable, safe, thorough. And continuing that you make a connection with that person and sometimes you're going to have to be strict. You're going to have to be tough or whatever, but because you, because, but let that, you know, let that person be your patient. Okay. You be the doctor, watch your boundaries and provide the same type of care that you would provide to any other patient who isn't a physician. Gotcha. So you, you know, that there's, there's, I even I even wrote to because I, I interviewed patients who had lost their doctors to suicide. Uh -huh. That was horrible for them. They too. I've asked them. I said, "Look, if you if you've been going to your doctor for quite a while and you're worried about her or him, just say something. You don't need to probe into their personal life. You can just say, you know, you seem a little tired. I hope you're taking good care of yourself because you doctors work so hard and you're precious to me. I like you." And I want you to keep being my doctor. Yep. The appreciation, the appreciation again. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, well, thank you for that. That's uh, I, I mean, we can do, we probably should, depending on your time at some point in the future, do just a podcast in and around that. Sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, problem children, meaning behavioral yes. problems with children uh -huh. uh, in, in, in medical families. Yes. Um, how do parents cope with that? Busy physician parents, either one or two, cope with that? 
very hard. It's very hard to do. And, and also, this is where we're human too. We could have anything befall our kids, you know, and we shouldn't be guilty if we have a child with autism or attention deficit disorder or an eating disorder or things like that, that kind of thing. I think too long, I think physicians, parents, we're kind of made to feel guilty or something that this shouldn't be happening in a doctor's family or whatever. Well, we just need to get beyond that. And therefore, then we need to feel comfortable taking our child to a child psychologist or to a, you know, a speech pathologist or to a, a child neurologist or you know, a child psychiatrist, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and hopefully get the same kind of guidance and support that they would give to other parents of a problem child, that kind of thing. Because to try to do it all on your own, that can be very hard in your relationship. Because it doesn't take too long for sometimes people start to blame the other. Well, if you were home more, or if you didn't have this in your family, maybe this wouldn't be a genetic problem. Okay. I mean, that hurts. Yes. Now, most, people don't, most, most people don't talk like that. But if you're angry and if you're in the middle of a fight and you're mudslinging, that's some of the nasty stuff that can come out. So yeah. I tell people, that happens to all of us, but there's nothing wrong with an apology. Yeah. Apologies are good. Yes. <laughs> are, are there any parenting behaviors that are more or less likely to lead to behavioral outbursts and behavioral mm-hmm. issues but on the behavioral side? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm no expert in that, Eric. Oh, okay. What I would say, though, is that when we can be respectful, though, of the other parent, because, you know, we parent differently because we're built differently. Yes. And one may be stricter than the other. I think we have to be very careful not to undermine the other. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Now, is it necessary sometimes to be a little bit softer because the other one's kind of harsh? Sure. That can help. Okay. But also we have to realize, though, if you're leaning more toward the soft side, it can be very easy to get manipulated because you just can't see it. You're just too nice. Okay. And Perfect. you need somebody taking that firmer approach. Gotcha. So whatever the parenting style is going to be, that it's a united front. Um, united front. Yeah, very important. Yeah. And, and also, too, that's where the professionals can help because they can kind of pick that up and they can kind of see, look, at, I would suggest this. I would suggest that. Or here's a good book to read written okay. by parents with this kind of condition in their child. Oh, and there's all kinds of support groups out there, too, for parents. With okay. their, those can be so helpful. Perfect. And then Again, you're not alone. Yep. And so what about the death of a child or, or chronic illness of children um, in terms of uh, busy physician parents and what they need to be mindful of yeah. in that situation? And whether the death be by accident, suicide, um, yeah. and then kind of talk a little bit about the feelings of guilt and shame around this potentially. Yes, that's very, those are two of the most powerful questions I think you've asked, Eric, that are very hard. I think, you know, the chronic or progressive, you know, worsening of a disease in a child, very hard for parents as well, because, you know, they're both doctors. They see it getting worse or something like that. And for them to, they, you know, they need to also kind of get, well, first of all, the information from the doctors treating the child, whatever the illness might be, but they need their support too. And they need to be able to support each other Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, because it's hard. It may mean taking more time away from work. And by the way, there'll be no regrets of that. I've seen too many doctors who let their work come first, and then a tragedy occurred, and they are so regretful. They say, "I will never, ever, ever do this again. That I will miss something that is so important in my personal and family life because I was with patients or something like that." Not that 
not that they don't care about their patients, but they feel I should have a right to, I was just talking to somebody today in palliative care medicine who feels dreadful that he said, you know, I give better care to my patients dying and their families than my own mother got from me when she was dying. And he said, I will never, ever let that happen again. Okay. Now now that's, that's that one. Okay. But now death of a child is the hardest and the worst. I mean, and that's sort of known again from research that the, you know, that in terms of quantifying bereavement, that's the hardest to lose a child. So it's profound. And that's why the support, not just of others, but there's a wonderful group called Compassionate Friends for parents who have lost a child to death by any means. Okay. And they can be so helpful because they're leaderless. Everybody's been there. They know what it's like. It's just very painful, and it, it's it's so difficult that that too can drive a wedge in your marriage. That mm-hmm. kind of thing as well. Same thing when and if that death is by suicide, then there are a lot of specific groups out there for people who have lost a child to suicide specifically. There's an enormous amount of stuff on the internet for 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 these two um, situations. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that. The, it's not the best thing is not to fold within yourself as a family unit to connect with others outside during that kind of traumatic insult to the to the family. Yeah, to the family itself because of especially when, when there are siblings because there is there are groups now for siblings too who have lost a sibling to death okay. because because so many of them have felt that they got shortchanged because everybody's grieving. They're not getting the kind of normal parenting that they would, would get. And, you know, and, and they're, and they're sad and grieving themselves. So that's, I can't think of too many situations that where you, where you, you must, you must get that kind of outside help that's there for you as an individual, for you as a couple and you as a family unit. Okay. Perfect. That I think that is the perfect way to end uh, this interview. I know that you uh, have an appointment coming up and you've been so generous with your time. Um, are there any last thoughts that you want to give? Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to touch on? Is there anything that, that you would like other physicians to, to, to know about um, in the next minute or so? No, no, I don't think so, Eric. But I want to thank you, though. I want to thank you for, um, for well, first of all, g- giving me a little bit of a script of what was coming. But also, though, just for your kind of orientation to this, because I think the message that you and I have been talking about and getting out there today is it's it's a coupled one. It's one in which it has a sort of a it, it, it has respect and honoring of that one-on-one relationship that mm-hmm. characterizes an intimate relationship or marriage or whatever, and how there are things that, that you can watch for and that things that, you know, can be done to, uh, to preserve and to renew that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm a firm believer that the, the person you decide to couple with is going to be, is the probably the single most important decision you're going to make That's in right. your life. Um, right. And so as busy physicians who oftentimes don't have a lot of guidance once we're kind of released to the world as, as functioning adults. Um, the, the whole purpose of the physician's road is to help 
uh, guide physicians to make the decisions that they want to make. Um, you know, we're not here to tell people what they should or should not do, but just to give tools and resources for them to make decisions that are that are supportive of, of what they want out of their own kind of kind yeah. of psyche. Now, mm-hmm. how do now how does someone get in contact with you? Um, oh, oh yeah, so I've got I, I've got a website. Okay. www.michaelfmyers.com. Okay. Say it one more time. Yeah. www.michaelf f is in Frank. michaelfmyers.com. And on that, you know, I've got sort of a. It's under resources. There's a lot of other things like this podcast or whatever. I mean, I've done other podcasts, but there's other there are other things I've written and other other um, sort of referral sources and stuff too that people could find there that might be of interest. Too. Perfect. That's exactly what, what, what we want to hear is, is um, I, we're big on giving people tools so they can go out and like, it's great to talk about things, but yeah. be able to be action oriented so that people can get the things and the tools and the resources that they need. And so again, Dr. Myers, I hope that we'll be able to do this again um, at some sure. point based yeah. upon your schedule, of course. Yeah. Uh, thank everyone for watching and listening to the Physicians Road podcast. Again, we were on the path of relationships today. Uh, we want to thank Dr. Myers for his time and thank we'll you. see you on The Physician's Road. Okay. Thank you, Eric. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Thank you for listening to The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. Please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.